0: Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, aka Stormageddon. Let's thank some patrons. Thank you, Rob, Frankie, Emily, Greg, and Case. Uh, your support is invaluable and incredible. If you too would like to get a shout out at the top of this episode, or any episode in the future, all you have to do is go to patreon.com stormageddon and give at the $5 level or higher that said, any amount helps me grow this podcast and the other podcasts I work on. Um, again, you can find all those details at patreon.com slash stormageddon. Enough about me, enough about plugging. Let us talk about my guest. I'm very excited to have Matty Limerick on the show. Um, he is the host of Dollop and Dreams, which is a Disney-based podcast, though so there are some updates to that information in this very episode. He also does some side projects called The Isolation Cast, as well as some other things within the feed he is one of the busiest humans I've ever met and is working on some new podcasts as well. Uh, we go into that in more detail in the episode. I don't want to keep y'all waiting any longer. Here is my incredible episode with the brilliant, talented, lovely, and incredibly handsome Maddie Limerick. I am really super excited uh, to have one of my favorite humans on the internet on my show, uh, the incredible Maddie Lime from Certain POV, a podcast network that I'm a part of as well. Um, That case is slowly creeping to try and get this show on, but I think it may stay independent. We'll see. Honestly, the reality of why I haven't shifted this podcast to certain POV is because then there's no reason for CrashCords.com to exist anymore, because the other podcast is dead in the water. But anyway, enough about me. Welcome, Matty Lime, to the podcast.
1: Hi, Matt Storm. Thanks for having me. My pleasure.
0: I'm really excited to have you on. Um it's funny. I'm slowly acquiring other podcasters from other places on the show. Like case has been on and Pat Edwards has been on and I really want to have Ash Blodgett on because I want to talk about her directing and stuff, which yes. I'm a little bit into in screen snark, but like, I like getting podcasters mm-hmm. off their shows and on this show to be like, yes,
1: we could talk about your podcast, but tell me more about your life. Oh yeah, no, when I had Ash on Dole Whip, literally I went to listen to our audio, and after I spliced it up, I was like, we have almost three hours of audio. And my <laughs> while well, my episodes are long, and when I'm on a show with Case, heaven knows how long we forced the internet to listen to the two of us <laughs> ramble on. But it's because I realized I asked Ash like two directing questions, and we had an hour-long directing and film conversation. So right. I cut it out of the episode, but I'm gonna to have to release it sometime soon because it was a wonderful conversation. And as like yeah. someone that loves doing that kind of thing and, and hearing other people who are like mastering their art form talk about their art form, I was like, sure. oh, I, I like saved it away in another GarageBand file. I was like, we're gonna release this soon, but just not now. Not now, not yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, so we'll talk about Dolan, Dolan Dreams and Isolation Cast in a little bit. But like when I remember when we did the um, She-Ra special of Isolation Mm -hmm. Cast, like there was three other people besides you and me on that episode so it was yeah. a total of five of us and like the fact that it's only two to two and a half hours is probably a miracle to be honest
1: I agree especially with like <laughs> even just you me and Rachel because we can prattle on and then you've got Jeff and Jeff and uh, Frankie as well who also just have great things to say and wonderful things to say I was well like and I literally just went you know what I'm not cutting any of this it was lovely I had such a good time <laughs> I want everybody else to have a good time with us as well so sometimes I'll go and be like, I'm going to cut this down to 45 minutes to an hour. I want it to be part of someone's commute. And then I said, fuck it. They can listen as long as they want to. <laughs> joke's
0: on you. No one's commuting anymore. So now they can be mm. as long as they need to be. And, well, um, jo-
1: joke's on you. I commute every day. <laughs> that's true, you do. Um, uh, uh, um,
0: anyway, um, before we get on to your podcast, though, I do yeah. want to talk a little bit about your history because yes. I find it really interesting because I hadn't known – like. I knew you as a Disney and Spice Girls obsessive that I had met from my get, through my good our good friend, Kix. And so like yeah. I didn't know your background until you came to New York and actually started talking to my spouse, Sarah, who has a background in theater. And like the two of you got on like gangbusters and went off to, onto a far tangent about musicals and theater. And I was like, I'll just sit over here and listen. <laughs> um, but I know you have a history with the theater. You're a costume designer. Yeah. You're also a teacher. So talk a little bit about how... You got involved in that. Like, I mean, it's a running gag almost to a stereotypical fault at this point that queers are theater. Like, it's one and the same. It's true. But, yeah. like, besides predestined genetic coding to be in the theater, what what drew you to the theater?
1: So I'm going to say something that's probably going to shock people but my giant Southern Baptist church growing up. Um, so <laughs> I didn't think about theater as a kid. Um, I just liked doing theatrical things. And I am from a deep Southern family. And uh, I went to a unnamed musical theater conservatory in New York that beat my Southern twang out of me. So it might pop in a couple times. Uh, I use it sometimes for comedic effect, but um, we went to a large evangelical church. My family was one of those five or six days a week at church. We did everything. Uh, and so I was what was called a soft boy in the South, but I was very earnest and very excited, but there was something wrong with that boy. He's a little funny when my mother would go, is he? And no one at home can see it, but I'm doing the, the like limp so that I know now as an adult, those were the conversations that were being had about me as a small child. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was just always very theatrical as a human. I was hardwired as I'm the most Leo that ever Leoed. um, (laughs) And so I just, the moment we had, I was old enough for us to have choir at church. I was in the kids choir. And then we did every Christmas and Easter, instead of reenacting the Easter story or Christmas story, we did a fully produced musical in our sanctuary that sat like 3000 people. Um, but it's bigger than most touring houses. And we would do these musicals that were written for churches to do that were like, Biblical light stories Or like a contemporary uh, Christian centered um, Christmas carol Or kids musicals Those kinds of things I don't think we ever actually did a Nativity reenactment Until I was done with church And so Or we did Haunted houses that uh, You set up and you go room to room And it's to scare people into accepting Jesus As their savior Because you walk them through a story And then you literally make them witness a car crash Like we set up a full gory car crash in the parking lot of the church. And then you walk them through one character goes to heaven. And then the last thing you do is they, what you walk, you follow another character into hell and demons grab at you. And it's bad. Be- it's, it's, as, it's, it's hor- Halloween horror nights at universal quality. Um, and you know, we do those things or an old company that used to tour called heaven's gates, hell's flames, which was a big theatrical presentation where you watched people die, um, on stage theatrically. And then they got to the gates of heaven and they either got to go into heaven or were dragged into hell. Um, And so we did those things And, you know, now I look back and go Ah, it was so cultish But for me, I mean, I probably started in those things When I was seven or eight And so they were always just very theatrical And I was a band kid And so I couldn't do theater in middle school And early high school But I tried to um, But there was always something Some sort of theatricality And then in high school we got to the point where I could take theater And of course that was the point where Budding queer little thing that I was Who was, you know, dating a girl at my church like you do And uh, not being told what puberty or sexuality or sex was And ruining a lot of things um, You know, so it was one of those that The theater classroom And my theater teacher, uh, Chantal Rochelle I owe her my life in many ways And so... Because of that, I got into theater, but I wanted to be a band teacher. I wanted to be, until one point, I wanted to be a praise and worship um, leader professionally, like work for Hillsong and do big Christian things. And so theater always stayed tangential uh, until... I hit a point where I started doing regional theater in North Carolina, uh, after I moved there and the rest was history. I moved to New York right after that, but I've always been theater adjacent, uh, in some way, shape or form. I did, Uh, DCI drum corps and indoor color guard on the international level and so those were very theatrical in their own ways and I got injured to the point where I couldn't do those anymore when I aged out at 21 if anybody out there is listening I think you know exactly what I'm talking about (laughs) Um, and so theater just made sense and so I was lucky to live in Raleigh which had one of the biggest and most amazing theater communities in the area where their community theater is higher than some Broadway shows, like the talent mm-hmm. levels. It's where Evan Rachel Wood is from. Uh, her dad still runs a theater there. Uh, so like the talent that comes from there is Otherworldly, And so I was really lucky to have that to be the place where I cut my teeth and then went to New York and no one warned me that in New York, I was going to school in the 2007, 2008 economic crisis mm. when Elaine Stritch was doing regional theater. So none of us are going to get regional theater. So that was long story, kind of long story. Uh, uh, as your friend Evan says, long story, medium length, um, which I love, <laughs> uh, you know, that's kind of theater has always been adjacent. And, but in like, at the end of high school I became that kid that started listening to show tunes and knew who Adina Menzel was and because that was yeah. wicked 2003 was when I graduated high school so like my first year in, in university I did a production of Oklahoma and we knew everybody listened to that wicked cast recording the moment it came out and it was it was a thing and then I went to Liberty University of all places <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, and boy. found the musical theater kids there but like it's' theater has whether I did it or hung out with people that did theater it was a safe haven you know blah 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 all those things um but yeah so I've always kind of tangentially been a theatrical person and then once I was in New York I realized how little I knew so I became that uh I became that theater kid because it was as Google and all of the like base the Playbo vault and things were being created and the school I went to had a recording of every musical that had ever been created. So whether it was a bootleg of a workshop or not. And so I just immersed myself in theater, the business, learning who all the people that my professors were talking about. And that's the point I became the I can't do anything casually. I have to obsess with everything that I do, and so that was just another situation of I just kind of learned everything I could. I went and saw four Broadway shows a weekend uh, at that point and just kind of became that theater guy.
0: So you say the obsessive type who can't get put 100% in, and I just don't understand what you're talking about as a guy who hosts yeah. four podcasts and produces eight podcasts and streams, and,
1: like, I don't understand. Yeah, you you know nothing about that Matt storm, yeah. Well, and it's one of those things, it's like... Uh, even though people know that I, you know, they'll meet me and I'm very upfront that I am a freelancer and that I've spent time in theatrical, but you know, my nerd things end up taking center stage, which was, it was so fun to like talk nerd with you, but then also, uh, talk with your spouse, uh, Sarah, who is delightful, um, you. about, you know, cause when you're in New York, it's a specifically New York thing. And I think a lot of people that don't, I'm sure everybody on the internet's tired of hearing, Oh, but New York, but it is a very, specific life and style and immersion when you're trying to make it as an artist there. And that's why people aren't understanding the conversation we're having about what it means to not open Broadway again in January, what it means to open in June. Um, So that's, that's just kind of the point where I became that theater person and fully immersed myself into the community, which is one of the most rewarding and loving communities I've ever had the benefit of being a part of.
0: Yeah, I think uh, important to developing a love of something is the community that you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. Um, I found it a lot in the New York burlesque scene for a long time. And when I didn't really feel it there as much, I moved on to other places. Now, pushing forward in podcasting, I think that with the age of the Internet, while it does suck that, you know, we're going through a pandemic and we're going through a lot of other shit, if you're an American, especially... um, there are. It's it's never been easier to find online communities right. and connect with people, and I think that's really key to the development of these things. Now, what I'm curious about is mm-hmm. when did it lead to becoming a Disney obsessive, or does that run deep as well?
1: It runs deep as well. So. I, being from a Christian family, um, which happened when I was three, I didn't realize there, you know, as you get older, you hit a point where suddenly one day your parents decide to talk to you like you're an adult. For mm-hmm. me, it happened to be when I was like 32. Um, cause my mother, uh, she'll never listen to this cause they, they just figured out texting. They just figured out <laughs> texting. Uh, and she sends me blurry photos from her flip phone every day. And I love her so much because they've. <laughs> (laughs) truly come around in a way when you probably are sitting at home going, oh, deeply Christian parents. Oh, no, but they... I have had the benefit of having the most amazing people uh, as my parents who didn't handle it well in the beginning. It was 2003. I didn't expect them to handle it well. Um, But, like, so we didn't have cable because we got rid of cable when I was, like, two, when Playboy started, you know, you could find porn (laughs) channels scrambled. And my parents were just very driven that, like, I... They jumped in as if it was a cult because it's what they needed. Um, right. And so, but they are very devout people. And a lot of my, even though I wouldn't call myself a devout Christian, a lot of my faith-based system is still buried in praying to what you need to and centering yourself and finding those moments of spirituality. Right. So, but something we were allowed to watch was VHSs of Disney movies. And I was born in 85. I turned 35 this year. So that was when the vault opened and Disney was really, really leaning into home video. Right. And so we, we did, we, you know, we got four channels that were grainy cause we had a, um, antenna, which no kids I think would know at all what it is. Uh, they, they probably figure it's a headpiece for a drag queen at this point, but, um, <laughs> uh, uh, but, Yeah. I watched so much Disney and it was one of the safe things to see. Um, And also, you know, I, you and I were born at that time where we got to live through the Disney Renaissance as children. And it's one of those things I can't imagine watching those. I can't imagine watching those things for the first time as adults who maybe weren't the biggest fans, but like having the nostalgia of remembering the first time I watched Little Mermaid, first time I watched Beauty and the Beast. And so I just always loved Disney and I never thought about it, but also my dad's a weirdo. And so like I grew up with the Muppets as well. And so the Muppets were a huge part of that. And so we weren't a Disney parks family. Because like a lot of families who were in suburban southern states, we were lower middle class. We were a single working family. My mother was a homemaker um, because she did so much. She worked harder than when she actually worked being a church mom and running a program called Awana for any of my Awana kids out there. It's uh, uh, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, but biblical based instead of like life skills based. And so she ran that. And you know, when you've got 3000 people that can fit in your congregation, you've got, you know, you've got a thousand kids a week going to Awana and miss gray. Everybody knows miss grace. She's a lovely woman, quite the busy, but she's the Southern busybody. Uh, if you combine Winifred Sanderson and Paula Dean, uh, that is my mother and I love her <laughs> so much for it. But, um, Yeah. So Disney was always in our home. Disney was the safe thing. I remember us boycotting Disney in the nineties because of gay days and the dark Disney's the movies that were coming out at the time. But like when Hunchback came out and everybody was like, Oh my God, there's a naked woman made out of fire that he sings to about lusting for her. And as an adult, I go, Oh, it is pure art. Hunchback is one of the most beautiful animated films. But, and you know, so I never saw them until I was an adult. So Disney's always been there. We didn't do Disney parks. And then I went once with them. And I was hooked on the parks. And so, uh, again, I, as an adult, once I started liking Disney, and that was a, once I got to New York thing, uh, it was after we'd gone the first time, kind of ramped up my, oh, Disney parks are way different than Disney movies. And so that, again, was the internet I had. You know, it was 2004, 2005, 2006. So everybody was getting internet at home that moved quickly. You could watch bootlegs and things. And so that's when my Disney kind of obsession, but it all goes hand in hand because I loved musicals and theatricality and... It's just what Disney was. So, you know, and again, it's, I chalk the Renaissance movies up to, and someone who single-handedly affected my whole life, which you were on my Aladdin episode. Uh, I was. And so Howard Ashman, I wouldn't know about him until years later uh, when I was at uh, a said unnamed musical theater school. Amda, It was Amda. Uh, I'll just say it now. It was Amda. Uh, <laughs> and that... The, the Ashman movies specifically really affected my thought and they were my favorite like four other than Lion King. But um, yeah, it was... I think it was... They kind of emerged at the same time because being an artistic child, we had family friends where we always would act out Disney movies in mm-hmm. their backyard and, and we loved those things. And so it was always... I never thought about them as things that made me weird or made me separate from the other kids because uh, the only time I also just being a kid that didn't have cable my parents were weird. And so I listened to music from the seventies and not contemporary music. Or I you know, I did, we did have the complete vinyl collection of the Beatles, which is something that I did have as a child, which was amazing. (laughs) But like, I knew Xanadu and the electric light orchestra when the rest of my peers were listening to new kids on the block. Um, Or I was watching seventies British comedy, which is funny considering it's so sexual, it's so sexual, (laughs) but like those were those things. And I was so separated as a human from my peers That Disney was the one thing that rooted me, or when Power Rangers came out, um, that Disney rooted me as an equal with my peers. And it was the only time that I, as an adult, looked back and realized that my peers looked at me as an equal and not the weird kid.
0: Sure, yeah. And it's funny that you bring up the Aladdin episode because... Like, I remember, like, it just, to me, I always felt like Disney just was always around. There were Mm -hmm. always tapes of, like, you know, around that time, it was everything from Lion King to Aladdin to Mm -hmm. Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, all of these phenomenal things that came out and hooked me. And, like, I will always, you know, bring up the caveat uh, that, of course, Aladdin is incredibly white. And it should be. Mm -hmm. But with that exception, like... A movie, I got to watch a movie where my hero Robin Williams was a character in a Disney movie. He was one of the few actors I knew when I was younger from Mork and Mindy and a few other things that like that's him and he's doing that voice. Like I think that movie kind of um, instilled in me some of my uh, nerdiness for voice actors because I understood who it worked, how it worked because I didn't before that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so it was, you know, that was also like, if you're at a time to get hooked, but also I've got to say that like, I would also, this was the time where Disney was releasing all of their 60s and 70s live action films once a month. And, you know, we had a BJ's membership, and so we would buy them there because they were everybody I think remembers the really long plastic holders, the security holders. Um, So I was also, I knew who Haley Mills was, and none of my peers did, but like I knew Parent Trap in Search of Castaways inside and out. I knew Pollyanna. I knew the computer wore tennis shoes, the Apple Dumpling Gang, all of these amazing live action movies of literal comedy legends um I chalk up Pete's dragon one it's the thing that I think bonds me with my father the most uh he loves Elliot more than anything and I love i just he's such a kind and forever loving human my father is uh yeah. despite all of his all of his you know faults and things but he's the realest human I know. And that movie, I think every time I watch it, I just think of my dad and I know it'll be okay. Um, And I know yeah. I'm very lucky as a queer person to have a really good distant, but very good relationship with my family altogether. My sibling and I are like this, but that's yeah. one of those that like, it, it bonds us with our dad in a way that, like, it's... And I'm so thankful that, like, I, I was a nine-year-old that knew the complete canon of Haley Mills and could quote, you know, the Swiss family Robinson and realize that my type uh, dating early in life was uh, decided upon by Aladdin and both of the older brothers in Swiss family Robinson. Nice. So, like, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's one of those things that uh, I was you can say that some of my queer coding actually came from some of this upbringing. So that when my family was, I was forced out of the closet. That is maybe a story for another time. Uh, But uh, yeah, I was forced out of the closet and my mother was shocked and I turned around and went, I owned every, my little pony from 1985 to 1991. What do you mean? You're surprised, you know, but that's, you know, that's just one of those things coming from an oddly nurturing home where I wasn't, I played sports because I said I wanted to play sports, but they didn't push it. Um, Right. And so all of those things, I think, kind of tie together. And I'm so thankful for them now as an adult. But they really could have stunted me as a child if I was aware enough that they made me weird and different. But I didn't until, like, high school. I didn't realize that they made me weird and different.
0: I mean, I feel like we all learn in high school that we're weird and different.
1: Yes, because that's when you also realize that the other kids are also weird and different, but they can be way meaner about it. And, and s- <laughs> you know, and, and I was at high school that in the years after Columbine happened. So everybody was on pins and needles and it was just a, a weird time. You know? Yeah, So
0: totally. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about one of your two podcasts, though the second is more of a spinoff. Yeah. The the podcast that you do, Dole Up and Dreams, your Disney yeah. obsessive podcast, I've been a guest, many members of certain POV and local Disney and actors and people on yeah. Broadway, all sorts of folks have been guests on this. And I remember when you were starting it because we had first met and spoken before it had existed and Mm -hmm. then you were like well I'm kind of working on this project I think you'd be great to be on it but I'll let you know so talk a little bit about where Dole Whips and Dreams come from because I know it started last we spoke it started as an Instagram just like celebrating Disney and then evolved into this podcast
1: yeah 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 so I went to graduate I just finished undergrad I went later in life and I decided to take a spot at University of Florida um, which then I quickly went wait how close am I to Disney I'd done a college program several years (laughs) before. Um, but because I was working in theater, I also knew that, uh, theaters were starting to utilize social media in a way that they hadn't before, but there was nobody giving classes and this is how to figure out how to make Instagram work and Facebook. And so, because I was close and we were going so much and it was at the point where Disney Instagrams were exploding. Everybody had one. Everybody was Disney bounding. Disney was pushing out new merchandise and food in the idea that people will Instagram for them and they never have to market them themselves, which is the most evil genius thing that a capitalist monolith like Disney can do. (laughs) Um, and so it began that way and I just kind of pinned it as Dole Whip and Dreams just because I love Dole Whip and Disney's full of dreams like Disney is one man's Uh. dream um, and everybody else's money Pretty much, but you know and then so I had done one so Case and I lived in New York together and uh, we met working at Wicked we had drifted a little apart checked in on each other on the internet and then uh, he and I randomly he randomly uh, we both got a little shwasty one night and he messaged me I messaged him back and I was like oh I just downloaded your podcast I was like man if you ever want to talk about something he was like do you want to do power rangers and i went fuck yeah i want to do power rangers much in the (laughs) way uh you know you know like you do like so like that and um (laughs) Uh, you know, I, so I did that and it was so much fun that I quickly went, Hey case, let's do another episode. And then we did masters of the universe. And then you, uh, I had listened to the episodes with you. Uh, and then I'd started listening to screen snark and I was enraptured by your voice. Uh, cause I, as someone who's always had a deeper voice, I'm obsessed with kind of other male identifying people who have a low voice that I just, it's, you have a very, such a pleasing voice, uh, to listen to on the air. And so I, um, I stuck you on Facebook a little. I think it was a while that I added you as a friend, and then you. Well, it was before you and I had were messaging on Case's wall about Spice World, and uh-huh. I went, "We have to." Do, Case, I want to do an episode, and you were like, "No, no, 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 I'm doing an episode too." And I was like, "Cool, Matt Storm and I were both Matt, Maddie and Matt. We're doing a Spice World episode." And Case went, "Really?" And we went, "Fuck yeah!" So <laughs> that's how it happened. And then, so uh, we were closing out the episode and like case does, he says, what are you working on? And I couldn't go. I want to kill myself because I'm in grad school right now. And I hate everything I'm doing, but <laughs> I'd been thinking about one day. I went, huh? There's so many subpar Disney parks podcasts and there are too many, but I literally did some searching. And I went, Huh? People cover Disney movies, but there are very few Disney movie podcasts. So I started thinking it over, and I'm notorious for being an idea person. It goes back to my Leo tendencies. Being an idea person and then never following through on them. Right. So the beautiful thing about having things in audio on the internet that your friends also listen to, uh, you can get shamed by your friends in the most loving way <laughs> if you don't follow through on it. And I think we recorded August 3rd. And I'd been thinking, I was like, well, literally earlier that day had gone, well, I've got, if I launch on Halloween and we do Haunted Mansion, I've got two months, just, just under 62 days to get the show launched. And I was like, I can do it. I think I can do it let's figure it out. I'll buy a, I'll buy a microphone. Um, you know, gotta love that student loan money. Uh, (laughs) and so when case said, what do you have? And I said, I've got this thing. I think it's happening. It's coming soon. Cause I went, well, I can't back out now. And so I started planning it and that's how it came about because I have a history background as well. And so I also get annoyed when, like when my students would go, I love this show. It was so good. And I go great. Why was it good? And they'd be like, well, and so, you know, I wanted to talk about that idea of is it effective or non effective storytelling? Is it something that's good from a nostalgic standpoint? And so that's where Dole Up and Dreams came from. And I couldn't really think of a title. And I went, well, I've spent three, you know, two and a half years building up over 3,000 Instagram followers, which, which isn't a lot, but for me, it's a lot. It's and a so lot. I went, it's you know, let's, <laughs> let's roll it over. And you've got an auto fan base. And I know, you know, Two thousand different theater people on Facebook that I've worked with, and or who are also Disney people. And I went, you know what? Let's just give it a try. And if you fail, you fail, but at least you've tried it, right? And so it became my 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 break from grad school thing. And little did I know that I was starting it months before the pandemic and it would actually be something that kind of saved my life during pandemic so yeah that's kind of how it started and I've been lucky to get some of the people I've had some other people who I had some incredible guests who were far larger than I could have but Because, of course, I chose a Fortune 5 company who has the most ironclad NDAs and controlling contracts in the world. I'm just going to use that phrasing. It stopped me from being able to get a lot of people that I could have gotten on the show. I won't mention names, um, but some Disney Channel stars and Broadway performers and Imagineers and... So that kind of sucked. But, you know, I wanted to launch in. And also it was an excuse to hang out with all of my friends who tangentially liked Disney or at least liked one Disney movie. So it was a good excuse for that. So that's where it's come from and evolved to.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I love about this podcast, uh, not only having been featured on it, Which, and I did call Aladdin pretty early because, like, it was important to me to talk about because I love it. I loved it so much as a kid, and I know that it's problematic. I know that Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortably problematic. But that said, the magic that it still created was important to me. Mm -hmm. And I would never take it away from people who are of that descent who are absolutely offended by it. I had a friend who was, Mm -hmm. whose name I won't say just in case she doesn't want me to mention her name. Right, absolutely. But like growing up, like she hated that I loved it because it Mm -hmm. hurt her because it was white people being not white. And I totally get it. But there was just, there was something about the magic of that movie and how it was made. And like I rewatched it with my nephews and nieces recently and nibblings. And they were laughing their asses off. And like, especially Mm -hmm. all the genie impressions, which are Uh. so dated though like they are not Mm -hmm. not all of them are evergreen impressions and yet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so well animated so well done and so Mm -hmm. i i I feel very lucky to come on it but what i like is that you don't just go let's talk about this disney movie you know let's reminisce which you do do that but you also Mm -hmm. have a whole upfront section where you do research talk about things that didn't make it to air talk about things that like are in the disney vault that you know maybe we don't know about i like that you do research and also make it a friendly conversation. It's not just one of those Mm -hmm. things because that's what puts it above the rest. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with just having a casual conversation about movies. I do that on Screen Snark. But I think that something about Disney and the effort you put into the research really makes it stand above the rest because like, there are no moderate Disney fans, really. There are... Mm -hmm. There are are people who like Disney movies, and then anyone who calls themselves a Disney fan is some level of obsessive. Um, And I didn't even see it myself until, what was it, two years ago, three years ago? I don't know. Time is a lake. But Mm -hmm. I I went to Disney with friends for for Sarah's 45th birthday, and uh, 45th? No, 40th. God, oh, she'd kill me. Uh, 40th (laughs) birthday. And... um. And when we went, like, I went with friends who were big Disney heads and, like, got sucked into the pin trading. Got, oh, I love pin trading so much. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. There is no shortage of Mm-mm. things to obsess with with Disney. Do you feel like with Dole Whip and Dreams, there's a, mm-hmm. there are movies that you can't cover because either you're not right to talk about it. I You know, things that come to mind or like Song of the South, things like that. <laughs> but also... But also, do you think there's anything that you're too close to that you wouldn't want to talk about on the show?
1: Honestly, I. so when I made the kind of universal, when I signed the universal contract to the Universal Ursula to do the show, I had to make a promise that I would be willing to talk about almost anything. And it's funny you bring up Song of the South. I own a copy of it. Right. I bought it from a bootlegger. I remember seeing it, but it's one that as someone who considers my in undergrad I have uh, I have a double bachelor's in women's gender studies, sexuality studies and theater, and with that was a lot of like race, gender and performance and we were talking specifically being a white creator studying what the experience of not white people is creating art that way. I don't I don't want to speak for them, but I want to know what I can do as a creative to make everyone's lives easier in the room and best tell a story with someone because it does suck that like I, as an example, I got the offer to direct after the revival of Color Purple, a regional production of Color Purple in the Denver area a few years ago. And they knew I was passionate about it. I love that musical so much. And I, and it's a good friend. And I literally had to go What's wrong with you? And they went, <laughs> what? I was like, I can name you 20 vibrant, young directors of, of black descent who would be a thousand times better for this. And I just have to say no. And that's not to give myself a white savior complex, but it is because I spent enough time academically and just watching my friends who are not white struggle with finding an identity in classrooms and on stages where they are constantly being told that they are lesser and the professors or the creatives don't think they're telling black people and and Latinx people and Asian people that they are lesser. Um, So there are a few... um, both Pocahontas and Brother Bear I thought were going when we got to them would be interesting conversations that I needed to have with indigenous people um, right. but also like I wanted to bring on John Lestrange to talk about it from the aspect of like genocide and that when the white right. settlers were coming it was genocide I don't care how beautiful of a Steven Schwartz score. You slap on Pocahontas. They butcher that story. And I'm from Virginia. We went to Jamestown every year. I, I know that story inside and out. I remember my mother made us leave the movie theater when we saw it because she was so upset that it wasn't accurate. Um, and it was the only until, until Pokemon, the first movie, that was the first movie we walked out of. Um, or I was forced to walk out of, um, cloning was weird in my house cloning and mutants so uh (laughs) uh, so uh, i couldn't watch x-men growing up i couldn't watch ninja turtles and uh, we had to walk out of pokemon when they brought in the clones um it scared my mother but yeah so those were those as we've been going through some things that i wanted to prepare for also uh shout out one of my amazing professors at new paltz meg sullivan uh who's in the women's studies department um who has her doctorate in indigeneity and indigenous studies. So my women's studies degree comes from an indigenous background. It is learning about like when we found out earlier this year that they were um, uh, sterilizing black women and Latinx women in, in, the essential concentration camps and in hospitals when they're having these children, it was one of those that everybody else was shocked. And I went, this is terrible, but y'all, this has been happening since the forties legally. Yeah. So it's those things that I wanted to continue to bring in people who are academics, but also like in pop culture so we could talk about it. And it did mean bringing a more informed thought. in. so there were some things, but I, I wanted to plan a Juneteenth for this coming year, special of song of the south where i sat down and just moderated a conversation with black artists right. who are actors and directors and things where my voice isn't heard i just ask questions but i wanted them to talk about because you have a lot of white creatives that go well if you understand song of the south it takes place in re- it takes place after um the uncle remus character decides to stay as an indentured servant so it is bridging that gap between the two but the, i hate that narrative because yeah. somehow it then um It allows us to be complacent with the kind slave master and the Uncle Tom and the Mammy, which are all really hurtful archetypes at this point. They are things that are dangerous and disastrous to contemporary black society and black people. And while we're having a conversation right now that we shouldn't be gunning black people down and the police shouldn't be violent. So, you know, those were those situations that I also i was preparing and i had two friends that worked at disney that were like you need to stop with the song of the south prep you have to or the company is coming after you it's not officially but they said you've got to stop this and so also then pandemic happened and it wasn't a good time to get seven people on a zoom call and ask (laughs) hey you're at the lowest part of your life right now can i force you to watch this disney movie that most people never want to watch um so you know planning it maybe for this time also Maybe that belongs on someone else's show that's not even just a white person going, hey, I want to adjudicate that, you know, it's Ryan yeah. Murphy producing Pose, if you will, but it's still Ryan Murphy getting the credit for Pose. So mm. I didn't want to be the one that was like, aren't you brave to have these conversations? Yeah. Um, though I secretly have to say the one thing that would make me feel so good is to get a season assist from Disney. I have to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But, you know, so there are those things that when we were talking through those, or I was just planning to do... Um, Uh, Swiss Family Robinson and then In Search of Castaways, um, which both deal with uh, Asian and then Maori representation. And both of my my guests were like, can we get someone Maori and can we get someone that's Filipino on to discuss the heritage of the lineage of white settlers coming into this area at this time? And I was like, yes, yes, let's do it. We have to, because those are the things that I... I feel like we're dynamic enough on my show to make it interesting for everybody. But also I don't care if people are uncomfortable in their commute or uncomfortable at the gym or uncomfortable in their office. It's time for white people or anyone to be uncomfortable and to talk about this. And I think someone, whether it's on to my small amount of listeners, I think, Companies need to be held responsible. Warner Brothers has handled it lovely in a way where they're saying, Yo, we've done these things. It is a history. We are not proud of it, but it is what we made. So please watch it with that in mind. And Disney's just ignoring it. And so those were those moments that I'm kind of glad you brought this up that I was planning a lot. We were having to have a larger conversation because it wasn't just a, Isn't Pocahontas pretty? Aren't we lucky to have a Steven Schwartz? Judy Kuhn, what a beautiful singer. Uh, was John Smith really that terrible? Wow. Well, what about that? Gay, 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 gay villain. You know, those <laughs> were those things that we needed to have a conversation beyond that. So yes, there are things that also when you have a catalog this big, we're kind of, or, you know, when I get to the DCOM movies, color of friendship, that's a real conversation we need to actually have, or, um, the American Ferrera one that she did. There are some, or Ruby Bridges. There are just a lot that we need to discuss that I'm so sick of hearing white people talk about how we should feel about black issues or Asian issues or Latinx issues or indigenous issues. We need to sit down, shut up and listen and then acknowledge where we need to help and help in the most silent, wonderful ways that we can. So yes, there are some episodes that are going to take some time to come up um, because I do want to plan and make sure that I do them well and we think them out and we bring in the right representation of people to talk about it. And it's not me as a white male presenting queer person who have a bad habit of speaking for other minority groups. My fellow white queer male presenting people out there.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm glad that you're open about that. I think it's really important when you're making something to acknowledge where you fall short and also listen Mm -hmm. to the criticism that may come up as a result. I think that it's what makes podcasting so malleable I was just a guest on another show called One Big Topic which is coming out by uh it's from, by Mario Not Bros and it should be out uh already by the time this airs but like we talked about how this medium allows you because especially if you're Mm self-publishing to turn on a dime and adjust and i think you've started to even do that like we talk about isolation cast which is just been off within the same feed this idea that when we were in isolation after a period of time you just you needed to talk to people and check in Mm -hmm. and part of it was wanting to check in on your friends and then part of it was wanting to talk about things other than disney and i got to Mm -hmm. do an episode very early on which i love doing and like what, where did that come from? Was it really just like what you would told me, like the, this need to check in on people and see how things were going?
1: Yeah, I was watching people really tread water. Um, you know, when you think it's fun to go to the lake on a on a uh, you know when you go to when you go to Jewish camp for the summer, or you go to Jesus camp yep. and you jump in the lake with everybody else, and you realize everybody else is having fun, and you can barely tread water and keep your little little chin just above water and you're fairly sure that a giant sea creature is coming up from under you. The Megalodon is going to get you. So that's what (laughs) it felt like where I was lucky to be finishing grad school, which already made me feel like I wanted to die. And, um, (laughs) Uh, you know, that I was already treading water in a pond that I was just too small to be in. So I had that to focus on, and I was thankfully still employed. But I was watching my students at home suffer, and then watching my Broadway and Broadway theater and just art friends, also just miserable. And knowing how awful it was in New York, my sibling was living in New York. Right. And so, you know, it, I wanted to talk to People like you and Rachel had recently become internet friends. And so I wanted to check on both of you and my friends gave an M and, um, and it was also an opportunity to, to, um, bring some things, you know, internet, the, they were doing an online international theater festival and I went, this is so cool. How often do we have a chance to like watch a new play that's in, 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 uh, in hindi from from delhi in india like those are those cool things and so i could have a 22 conversation with the amazing uh and handsome gentleman in canada that was running that or uh, a stage manager that i just obsess over she's amazing talk to her um and also focus on how they were doing, but it ultimately was about how everybody was finding joy. And yeah. the first couple episodes, something we talk about in every one is animal crossing and tiger King. Cause that's where we were, which <laughs> yeah. literally feels like 30 years ago, but it, it, it also was, I wanted to make sure everybody was good, but I also wanted to start changing up and figuring out what I was capable of as a host, as someone that can drive a show in a non-narrative way and just see what kind of conversations we could have about life. and, joy and I'm a big star Wars fan. And so it's really easy in, in a theatrical world or movie world to be like, you have to have hope. The only thing we have left is hope. And it's like bullshit. Sometimes <laughs> hope isn't even fucking there. Fuck off. All I want is to be able to go have spicy margs with my friends and go see a new goddamn Avengers movie. That's all I want, you know, and that's just not something we had. And you know, it shows the most entitled American things that people were going, well, it's not that bad. I'm still going to go out. I'm not going to wear mouth blah whatever. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, it was also just making sure that people were okay. And, you know, also talking to people in New York, because then I at least, you know, had a couple hundred people who would listen to every episode and go, okay, we can get supplies to New York. We can get those people out of New York. We can do what we need to, to help other people. Um, or, you know, we were all, uh, maxing out our Netflix cues really quick. And so it, it literally, um, as someone who's, uh, bipolar disorder. And so I'm very manic uh, a lot of times. And so I just get a lot of ideas and, that was one that I went, you need to follow through on this. Let's figure out. And I, I have a new project that I would love to talk about in a bit. Um, but it's the same way of where I went, you can just reach out to your friends and be like, hey, do you want to chat for, for 90 minutes? Let's hang out. Um, yeah. And it was really easy to do. And it was hard because I got really eager early on and stopped doing schoolwork and went, let's release three episodes a week. And I was like, <laughs> you're an asshole. You should have done an yeah. episode a week and stretched these out. But it also was good because... You know, it was in the first weeks, and so those were the most volatile, they were the most hard for a lot of people, they were the most life-changing for many people, and so recording an episode on Friday and releasing it on Monday and being like, oh my god, the world has fallen apart in three days, everything is different, or, okay... As much as everything seems like it's changing, this has been 48 hours since this was recorded and we're still doing okay. Um, And that's why I wanted to make sure my last question was if you could recommend one thing to tell people of how, what advice you could give them. And, you know, just to watch everybody like haggard and go, ah, and it's in that moment of also making them feel like, oh, okay, I need to give myself these, this response as well. So, And that's, that's pretty much what it became. And the nice thing about it, because I've never committed to a release thing, it's I'll release a new episode every now and then, um, yep. and we can keep going. Um, and so that's kind of what Isolation Cast became. I hope to pick it back up again soon. Um, Lord like, knows we're going to be
0: in isolation for a while.
1: Because nobody can wear their fucking mask. Um, <laughs>
0: before we talk about your new project, I know yeah. you have several irons in the fire. Yes, um, of I, course I do. I want to talk a little bit about the future of Dole Whip and Dreams because it's yeah. a podcast that, like, like I have a lot of narrow podcasts, narrow focus podcasts, mm-hmm. and then I have a few that are not so narrow and more broad. And, like, Dole Whip and Dreams is pretty narrow in the scope mm-hmm. that even though there's so many Disney movies, there are only yeah. so many Disney movies. And so my thought is what if you finish the Disney Pantheon or if you just get tired of the current format, like, what is the future of this podcast? What are your thoughts on how to grow it?
1: So Matt, it's a really good idea that you asked that, uh, because this will come out after my anniversary and my one year anniversary episode. So the world will already know, uh, if you listen to that, uh, with my awesome guest, uh, Sid the Diznerd from TikTok, um, we did Hocus Pocus, but, uh, we are finishing up the year, but on January 1st, Dole Open Dreams is going into the vault, proverbially forever. We are ending, mm-hmm. um... After a year and a half, a year and some change run, but don't worry if you listen to that and you're listening to this, uh, I'm hoping to do a seamless changeover so you don't have to do anything. Um, and if you didn't <laughs> go subscribe to open dreams now and you won't have to worry about it. Um, show, this is the first place I, I pursued you to have this conversation on, be on the show. Um, because yeah, sure. we are, so I'm going to preface this with, I do not work for Disney Uh, That went on the wayside with COVID, but I work for a company that is third party for Disney. So I still need to be careful what I say. I do work at the parks Um, because of some things that have been happening long term in the company um, that do go back to Walt uh, in some ways, but, It is not the company that it was five years ago. It's not the company it was 10 years ago. And I ethically do not feel responsible as a content creator to continue to have the content of my show tied to the company. Mm -hmm. Um, I am using the phrase, I'm leaving the cult. Uh, (laughs) A lot of you are probably rolling your eyes. And it's why it's actually in many ways been hard to build a listenership because... Disney fans don't necessarily want to listen to what other Disney fans have to say because they are always assuming that they're wrong. And let's be honest, Disney adults are insufferable in many ways. (laughs) I know it as a Disney adult, Disney adults are insufferable And just between the ethics of reopening parks in a global pandemic and forcing Mm -hmm. people to come back to work. Um, in the recent weeks, laying off 30,000 people, Mm -hmm. um, uh, the issues with, Mulan's 2020 release that none of us could have known while well, we were happy and pushing that film when it was coming out because I was very excited about it, uh, which will actually be our final episode of Dole Dreams uh, mm-hmm. first weekend of December. I'm sitting down with an amazing Asian-American actor, David Huen, from the Encounter Party podcast. He is an incredible musical theater actor. Uh, and we are breaking down the issues with why Disney fucking overstepped their lines with Mulan 2020. Um, and yeah. so we're ending to open dreams uh, and we're rebranding. Um, and I think everyone who's come along and it did suck because I have to tell everybody we were going to go weekly and I had an entire year of programming planned with many, uh, mini series in there. And it wasn't, it became overwhelming when I suddenly went, this isn't fun anymore because I feel guilty and bad about doing this. Right. Um, not because it was using Disney material, but because I felt like I was still repping, repping for the bad guy and as as our friend rachel quirky shank says uh fuck capitalists and i just couldn't do it anymore right. um and you know it's it's been this is actually the first time i'm talking about it with anybody so if i get overly emotional it'll be the second episode you've been on that i cry on it's fine <laughs> med storm um you know it's it's um it's been a huge portion of my life but i've led it to find things and i've explained away really unethical things for some factions of my life. I worked for the parks and made basically abuse wages, uh, before, you know, before they started having to raise minimum wage. Um, even though Florida's minimum wage is still 825, uh, which is what most people in the state get paid. Um, Not at the parks, I will say. All of the theme parks pay a lot more now. Um, But it just became a thing where I was going to be on the wrong side of history, and we're at a point where I can't stand to be that person. Um, I've been a hypocrite many times in my life, and this is a point I can't do it anymore. Um, And, yeah, uh, I still value the amount of people that they employ. They are doing some really awesome diversity things. They have always been for their cast members and their employees. They were the first people to let trans people be trans and paid for their surgeries and did domestic partner benefits. And they support the local queer communities and Disney, you know, the local Disney world said black lives matter very early on. And so, you know, it's one of those things that I, I also can't be part of the fandom anymore where people are going to explain away racism and hate based on the nostalgia for a fucking ride based on an animatronic. (laughs) Rabbit stolen from black people these stories were stolen from black people So like and while you know, they're uncouth and they're not great and yes, Tiana deserves a ride But I can't fucking stand to be part of the you know, just people being Being these people anymore. You're not a Disney princess. You don't need to wear ears when you go to the parks. God bless like it's just a thing, but It's so I made that decision. So we are changing Dole Up in Dreams to a new show called Saturday Morning Confidential. It's the exact same setup. So I will say, if you liked Dole Up in Dreams or you like the idea that we do a short history portion, then wow. we do an interview with someone who... So Case and I, and you and I have talked about many times the idea of nostalgia goggles. Mm-hmm. And um, that nostalgia is... Awesome, but it also has destroyed so many fandoms. I'm yep. looking at you, Star Wars. I'm looking yep. at you, Star Trek. I'm looking at you, X Men. You know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at you, Teen Titans. Even, um, <laughs> but um, you know, or Batman. It's, it's a thing where. So I'm, every episode, I'm going to have an artist, a creator, whatever, talking about a property that they're nostalgic about, TV or movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just going to talk about them. And again, the same way, were they effective? How does it watch now? What, what did it mean to you as a small child? And how did it inform what you do now? And something I'm adding is I'm trying to do an interview with somebody in the industry that is connected with it. Mm-hmm. Um and so I've got a fan in the first episode. We're doing Jim and the Holograms* right out of the right of the ba- nice. gate, and then uh, our friend Mitch is going to be doing *Goonies*. Oh, I've yeah. got Kevin Lupe- uh, Lupello from uh, *Lore Party*, and Case and I are doing a mini series on the first nine seasons of *Power Rangers*. Nice. Uh, and I've actually have some of the Power Rangers coming on. I have a toy designer. Like it's. It's oddly starting to come around really quickly. Um, I've got Friend of Every Pod, Dan Purcell coming on, and we're talking about nostalgic music, which I hope you'll really like that one. Matt Storm is the music person. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it's a way... Also, like, I have to be honest, I was... I've got five or six shows that I'm hoping that will release in the next year. Some mini series, some not that literally, as I started chopping them out, people were scoffing at me because my experience was with Disney movies, like talking about Disney movies. And a lot of people really scoffed at that. And like, I get it. I totally get it. Why, you know, you know, a theater blog would go really a Disney podcast. And they go, yeah, 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 but I want to do a musical podcast. I want to do a musical movie podcast. And they go, Oh, okay, and you're like, oh, thanks, friends, <laughs> you know. Or I, I've got a history uh, podcast. It's a mini series about the Tudor wives that's coming down the, the coming down the shoot that I have some amazing people working on with me, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just uh, so I wanted to be taken a little more seriously. I wanted to be able to branch out because, you know, there weren't there are some people who Disney's not their geesh. They've got a favorite Disney movie or two, but right. they, you know, uh, especially larger podcaster celebrities, it's, they also don't want to talk about a Disney movie because they want to maybe get cast in a Disney property one day and they don't want to get, they don't, Disney for anybody that doesn't know, they will go through your social media. They will Google you. They watch you. Not really, but you know, they really look into what your fingerprint is online and the kind of person, especially now that we have Kevin Spacey's and you know, these kinds of things. It's, it's, you know, it's why James Gunn maybe got a little preemptively fired too early from guardians uh, for those people or, you know uh, you know, but, but you know, it is good that like, we can dig out things that you know shitty people did ten years ago because it was predatory and violent. Um, But you know, it's I don't want to cost anyone their career, but I also want to have really cool people on my show, and I think I'm fun and interesting to listen to, often though grating at times. Uh, you know, you can only listen to me say it's not gay enough, enough. You know, uh, I mean, I which, feel
0: like I have not exhausted that <laughs> yet, but that's also because I'm obnoxious. So,
1: and I think you and I could just scream about that forever. I think we could have a podcast that's just you and I, just going, nope, not gay enough. I not feel gay like we enough.
0: both owe a part of our social media present to Thomas Sanders, we should say officially, <gasps> because I feel like he is, a, he is a man who has yelled It's it could be gayer or louder than either of us.
1: <laughs> Listen, if there is someone... So everybody uses the phrase standing on the internet, and I don't want to be weird and creepy. Thomas, who literally lives in Orlando and who I would give my left arm to work with, because he's just... A, a cinnamon light. bun of he was <laughs> like if steven from steven universe was a real person it's thomas sanders and Pretty he's much. really complex and he's been talking through mental illness and queerness in a way that like he gets that a lot of his fans are teen people and early 20 something people that need a crutch and like he just does amazing work and i agree with you that i think we owe <laughs> a lot to thomas also thomas call me i'm yeah, a please w- say I, I cook we could have a lovely date. I'll take you on a Disney date. Let's go, buddy. It's fine. I love the t- uh, the Sandersides. I think I agree with you. That brilliant. I think- it's
0: a brilliant series. Sanderside is something I discovered by accident through his vines, and now it's like the preferred content of his. Oh. Not that I don't like his other stuff, but like right. it's just so brilliantly written.
1: Well, and he's actually a wonderful storyteller. He's really dynamic to watch beyond just being very handsome. Yes. Um, like, he just gets... Re- like, he's just fun and dynamic to watch. He, he gets camera angles. And, you know, he's also an example of somebody that's literally figured out how to do things himself and built a community of people around him to help him yeah. build these things. So I agree with you. I wouldn't make half my content that I do if I hadn't been obsessing over Thomas's content for years.
0: Um, I shared a great... Vi- uh uh. TikTok with my spouse, who admittedly doesn't do a lot of TikToking, where Thomas pretends to be an ice machine in his fridge. And like, you know, sometimes, and then it struggles to get ice out. And then other times, and it's spitting ice everywhere, and he is the ice machine both times. Yep. It's, it's
1: dumb, it's and it's so amazing. Good. Um, but it, but I think we all understand that, because especially like <laughs> queer people and people with mental illness, it's like, this is how we interact with other people. Like, this is a, I always worry like, right, that come I... come on, come on, yeah. or, <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I feel like this is also like any time that, because like Thomas and I know similar people, because he films a lot of stuff at UF. Mm-hmm. Um, a va- Shout out to Valerie Torres, who is one of his, musical theater amazing. actresses who is the nominally talented and amazing. she's just a bright sunny spiritual human being who just is faith-based and she's amazing and she's just kind and loving shout out to valerie val girl, you're amazing uh she's getting to do theater right now she just did in heights and
0: that's amazing
1: i just i i hitch i i would hitch my wagon to that star because she is just so amazing and she's just I I would follow her career forever because she's just so talented and one of those people that deserves it. But she's been in his videos. One of my students, Dahlia, uh, Dalton Calder, just a lot of these really amazing UF students that Thomas has gotten to use because he is from Gainesville, but he lives in Orlando. Um, So, like, he's just, he just brings so much sunny cheeriness and cares about representation of gender and all these things. And so, I just. I, I stand Thomas Sanders, and I'm just going to state, and I'm going to say that
0: same, here. same. We are, we are mutually <laughs> in agreement. Um, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about um, like, so you've clearly done a lot, and you've seen a lot, and you've been through a lot. Um, we could probably talk for another two hours about all the things that you have coming and that you've worked on, and I will bring you back happily to talk about them another time. But what I'd like for you to do is take a moment to talk about like give some kind of advice but not even just to podcasting or just to to costuming but just in general a piece of advice to someone who might be struggling now in the quarantine especially either with their sexuality their identity with their passions like what gets you through the day how do you how do you move forward and where do you
1: find inspiration so don't so i'm going to say the first thing is don't be too hard on yourself because maybe all you've done today is exactly all you could do, and that is good enough, and that yep. is what I've been trying to have to tell everybody. Um, Matt, Matt, you're on my Facebook, so sometimes you you understand. or get the messages. You probably got my TikTok this morning. That was this is the moment to say that you are doing fine. You can <laughs> unclench your jaw. You can smile, drink water, and breathe today because you made it to another day, and that's all we can ask. And really, right now, we're having to watch the world crumble and. And, you know, it's Inktober, which everybody, you know, I think everybody needs things. But, like, I'm always somebody that I, even as a uh, designer and an artist, that my art rendering isn't great. I use <laughs> croquis. I use croquis as people because I don't draw bodies well. And, you know, if Greg Barnes can do it and he can design multimillion-dollar Broadway musicals and be stunning, I can use croquis. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Greg Barnes. He's amazing. Um But like right now is a good time to explore who you are and what actually makes you happy. And so I've been doing that where I suddenly, for the first time in eight years, I'm not working at an educational institution. I'm not in a regional theater schedule. I am working, um, working, quote unquote. And so I'm able to go, oh, okay. So you laid in bed for 11 hours and planted 400 pumpkin seeds in Animal Crossing. You know what, (laughs) kiddo? You're good. (laughs) Yeah, you're allowed to go get McDonald's breakfast burritos because you've been up since five. Let's go do that on the way to work. You're good. We love you. Um, Or, you know, I decided to... I've always epically... I've, I've written since I was a child. I wrote fan fiction for years. I would write... Terrible novels and novellas and stories, but I've never finished one in my life, short of, like, device theater pieces. And so what I decided to do, because I'm a, what I call, stationary hoe, uh, and I buy more stationary than I ever need. I found Mm -hmm. fountain pens the other day, and I decided that for Inktober this year, I was going to do something that holds myself accountable, but not in a way that I would shame myself, but in a way that makes me excited to be accountable. So what I've done is I've just tried to find creative things that I can do every day. I carry four books in my bag. I I always make sure that I've got a couple different things I want to go back and reread. I've got a journal and my like writing prompt book. Um, so it's a lot of things. I'm giving myself the tools, and I just love being that asshole that carries a giant bag always. Also because <laughs> bags are... Bags are great accessories to quote, uh, ab fab, uh, for all my British comedy fans out there. But I'm just, my thing would say, as I ramble to you all in your cars or wherever you're listening from, give yourself the opportunity to be creative when it feels the right moment to be. And then the moment it doesn't fuck it, throw it down, throw it back in your bag and don't force yourself to do something right now. That's what I've been doing is like, I felt like uh, the job I was at where we were, um, I was in a super confidential bubble uh, that just ended. That's all I will say NDAs are very scary, but it meant that like I could sit and write and read and while well, I did my job and I just had one of those stupid prompt books for stories and that's what I was doing. I was only forcing myself to write until the narrative ran out or write until I just didn't want to anymore and fill about two pages of this tiny little notebook and That's what I'm doing for Inktober Um, and there's very little pressure. I've always had rampant stories in my mind just from being clinically, I hate using this term, but clinically crazy, as I like to say in the most lovable way, that uh, that's what I've been doing. But what i have doing with that because I am using this as an opportunity to, instead of going, hey, oh God, I don't know how to audio edit, what do I do? Now, I will say uh, uh, a colleague's father who is an amazing human, David White, is responsible for a lot of the show editing of Dole Whip and Dreams for the first year and I would have been so lost without him and my <laughs> researcher Angela Gwynn. Uh, she is an amazing militant trans woman living in New York and I worship Angela. She's amazing. Um, so she did a, uh, about half the season of research um, and so I had them with me but I want to do some fiction. I want to just do these things where even if they're not great or or I don't do them long term... I at least go, I know how to do Foley art and I know how to mix an entire show together and I know how to audio, di- I can do some voice directing to get some lines out of some theater folks and I can put these things together or I can break up my acting chops and I can read this three minute story um, and really, and you know, mix some nice music with it and give people these kind of short term stories that I wrote day by day. Um, So that's coming out in November as part of Isolation Cast. It's going to be called Inklings. Mm -hmm. Um, And every day it'll be a three to five minute audio story for everyone to listen to. It'll be Monday through Fridays uh, for the month of November. Um, So, but I've just been giving myself small creative milestones to do so that I have to be responsible and be creative, but I also don't have to like, oh God, I didn't do it and beat myself up over it. It's okay. I haven't written the last two days because I was so excited about it. I wrote 20 last week, and beautiful thing about that is I don't have to use them all now. Um, and you know, it's one of those things where I also re- reread them because it's what I do. And sometimes I think I'm a genius, and sometimes I think I'm a piece of shit because that's just where we are.
0: Welcome um. to being an artist in 2020. I feel
1: like. <laughs> and sometimes I literally feel the gods shine down upon me. Um, <laughs> But I've, you know, I've used this creative, but also spiritually. So I've just given myself permission in the space to be spiritually and creative open every, creatively open every day for whatever that means. I hung out with our friend Rachel the other day on, on Zoom and she read my tarot cards and I'm not defining my life by a tarot reading, but it was nice to go, okay, you're, don't worry about it. Like just breathe and follow and like what are the garden that you were planting? Like tend to your garden. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's nice to know that everybody's getting the tower card right now. Like that's really nice to know <laughs> just cause we are all living through something catastrophic and awful. So I'm, you know, I'm exploring chakras and, you know, it sounds so like white millennial of me, but I just things where I need to be in tune with myself and the forces around me because it's, I want to be loving and open I'm in a new dating situation that I never thought I would do be in, which is very interesting and wonderful. Um, but like, you know, it's just a thing that I am allowing myself to be messy and mess up and do things every day. And Mm -hmm. if I don't, it's not a problem. And if I do, it's like, cool kid, let's get you that sugar free cookie. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, making sure that I'm leaning into those things. Uh, so what I would say for everyone as I ramble, you're going to do nothing some days. And that is okay. And you should, like, not let anyone beat yourself up over it. I've also found this is a time to tend the garden, as our friend Rachel would say. Um, cut the people who are not... Not that you could benefit from them in a business way or a money way, but the people who do not grow you up and the people that don't support you even when they don't need to, yeah those are the people that you need to make sure you're checking in with, grow that relationship and cut the other people away. Uh, Maybe it's that I'm in my 30s now and I'm fine with six really close friends, even though because of our certain POV family, I... You guys are so awesome. Um, And, you know, just our podcaster chat, when I can just be like, I'm really thankful for you guys. Thank you for being here. Because I also feel like you all are holding me accountable in a way that's not shitty. But you're going to be like, Maddie, why'd you fuck up? Come on. (laughs) But, yeah, I was just saying, give yourself space to fuck up. Give Give yourself space to fail. And give yourself space to just exist because this is also... A time where we can realign ourselves over the lies we've been told by parents, by teachers, um, and redefine the bullshit that we've put up with. And so I think this is a really good time for that. And I think we need to just let ourselves off the hook when a lot of us are like, we were the previously gifted kids who have, are just anxious adults now and yeah. it's okay that we'd be anxious, but it's also a good time to learn what habits I'm medicated for anxiety for the first time in my life and it's a low dosage and medicine doesn't fix everything, but just, I now can sit there and go, Oh, you're spiraling. Let's stop. Let's stop, 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 stop. And I can have that conversation with myself and go, okay, this is a manic moment. This is a depressive moment. You're going to feel down for a little while. What's going to help us feel better? How can I talk myself out of the spiral? Um, And, you know, medication's not for everybody. And I'm not saying everyone should go get on it. But it is one of those moments where I finally broke down that wall of embarrassment about it. and, And I had a nurse practitioner that just went, do you want a little low dose of something that I think could really help you because you keep thinking of COVID and you're just having panic attacks. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> so I think, uh, allowing myself to just be messy and fuck up in a way that I'm still able to hold myself accountable has what has been such a benefit. And I think it's actually going to make me a better freelancer when I can do theater again, or, you know, I've been, I've started, not because I figured out all the rules of podcasting in the last year, but like I have three friends who want to start podcasts and I said, let's figure it out. Let me produce for you. Let me show you how to mix. Let's let's sit down. And uh, my friend David, we're sitting down and we're hashing out what his show is going to say because I, I love hanging out with him and I think he has something really fun and nerdy and queer, but scientific. And I don't think we have enough queer nerd, like science people out there. So like, Mm you know, I really want him to push a show out there or I'm pushing my friend Christina. She just wants to scream about 90 day fiance. And I was like, girl do it. <laughs> um, cause she's this amazing woman of color who I just love, who is always just like, I don't have to smile at you. I don't need to be this person you think I am. I don't need to song and dance for you and something I love about her. And so I, I, want to take what I've learned in this like last year and a half also from like people like you and case and my buddy, Ned Donovan whose podcasting counterparty is blowing up. I just have to go out there for a second and say, if you like D and D or fantasy, go listen to the third season of a counterparty. They are blowing up. Sci-fi wrote an article about them. Their the first oh, man, thousand man. download day, like they are brilliant, but like Ed, Ned has saved my ass so many times. I'm so thankful for he and I bumped into each other one day at a casting call that I was working, and we've been friends since online. And like he just couldn't you all would not have had shows many weeks without Ned talking me off a ledge. So um, I want to be that person for people and build an, a community of artists. That because like I would love to get to a point where maybe I could start making income off this. That would be right. cool. But also at the same totally. time, like we're at a point right now where there's an oversaturation because everybody with a microphone and something to say has a podcast. But like, is that bad? Like I honestly think this is one of those weird things where like I don't care about everybody's Instagram, but I kind of care about what you have to say about what's happening in your life with podcasts. Yeah. Like um, my friends Elena Walton and Marah uh, Williams just started a. Um, podcast about uh, voices of color in theater and what needs awesome. to change and it's amazing it's called ghost light everyone needs to listen to it it's so uh, this isn't a, this isn't a recommendations corner but it's just those people that i'm seeing are also doing this thing so i think this is a point where everybody needs to take a chance and do something that they're scared of do something that could be benefit them creatively even if 25 people listen because i guarantee you more than 25 people will listen. Um, I rambled for 20 minutes, but that's what I would say is be messy in a way that's not you getting drunk at the bar and, you know, realign and do something for yourself because for so long, especially being a queer human uh, who identify, you know, is presenting as male iced coffee and tacos and brunch have become a lot of people's personality traits and they've been so afraid to let people know that they like star Wars or they're grown grown human that likes my little pony or loves, you know, I stand everyone that's gone out and is making a living on OnlyFans. Like you guys, I worship all of you. You were doing something that like, I wish I had the literal courage and love of myself to do. So like, if that's what you want to do, go do it. And this is a good time to get messy, be creative and fuck up and, and make some changes for yourself in a way that will make the rest of your life a little easier so that you know how to take that stress off of holding yourself to too high of a standard when we do go back to work and we aren't living in our homes anymore full time.
0: So well said, Maddie. Thank you. Um, it, it is apparent you are a podcaster. You talk like a podcaster, and that's a good thing.
1: And I talk a lot. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: I'm not I am not short-winded either, um, uh, as many people can attest. But this has been lovely. Uh, before I have you wrap up the show, please tell folks where they can find you on the internet and all the stuff that you're doing.
1: Okay, great. So I, uh, you can find Open Dreams. And, Matt, I, I could not spiritually uh, connect with you more than I did earlier when you were like – because I pay for crashcords.com. This transition happened and I paid way too much for the domain and one year of doleupanddreams.com last year. And so I also like our website for certain POV way more. So you can find doleupanddreams at certainpov.com and then click on doleupanddreams from there. And that's where all of our episodes are. Um, We have a back catalog there as well. We are on every podcast platform. Um, And thankfully, because I Googled myself way too much early on, all oh, we come up. If you just type Dole and Dreams into Google, uh, Dole Up one word though, don't read me that I misspelled my <laughs> own branding. I didn't really still six months in that Dole is two words. I don't care. It's whatever. Um, so the thing is, I told you while it's transitioning, if you follow everything now, according to the internet, I'm going to be able to transition everything pretty well, and if not, you will see on the Dole Open and Dream social media, we'll keep going, and it will roll right into Saturday Morning Confidential, plus uh, a Isolation Cast Inklings and all those things uh, will also be available on there, um, and so Dole Open and Dream's podcast on Facebook, Dole Open and Dream's uh dope and dreams just flat on instagram up pod on twitter maddie lime on tiktok um you i'm really active on our discord which is the yes. certain pov discord which you can also find at certainpov.com um yeah farmers only christian mingle uh you know <laughs> yeah exactly hit,
0: hit him <laughs> up maddie's a nice guy he'll take you on a nice date as someone who's I, dined with matt before i can oh, agree
1: thanks thanks bitstorm we'll we'll go to universal and ride et and then go bitch about how much jk Rowling sucks
0: yes exactly um (laughs) well maddie thank you so much for being on the show this is an absolute pleasure you've become one of my closest friends on the internet and i really enjoy talking to you and checking in with you regularly so thank you for taking the time um i know you are listening to the podcast so i don't have to prep you without further ado will you please sign us off
1: music is life and life is good that's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Mons. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at Crash Chords Web. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor
0: Devon, and I am the host of Weberless the Podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weburlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good.
1: Do you wake up every morning, roll over, and check your favorite social media feed, only finding that you wish you had never looked at all? Well, Inklings is here to lift those doldrums during month of November. Inklings is a fictional short story podcast that will run daily on weekdays during the month of November from Dreamer Productions, the Dolph and Dreams podcast, and Isolation Cast Voices from Quarantine. Let your mind run to its deepest desires in the isolation of imagination. The stories will run two to ten minutes, so take a break for yourself and enjoy Inklings, your daily short story indulgence. You can find Inkling by liking and subscribing to the in Dreams podcast, as well as Isolation Cast Voices from Quarantine, wherever you find your favorite podcasts.